What's up? I'm Joey, and this is the Owning It Podcast. After years of wearing a suit and tie, Joey C, Joey C, he said I've had enough of the litigating lie. And so he struck out on his own. He's a lawyer and a speaker and a business coach. This is Owning It with Joey C, trademarks, copyrights. What is going on, everybody? So I'm so excited to be talking with Courtney today because this show tends to be usually about marketing and sales, and that's all really important. But if you don't have systems and processes behind the scenes, then it's not going to be very much fun (laughs) to grow your business. And I have to catch myself when I'm talking about Courtney because she got married last weekend. Yeah, last weekend, last Sunday. And, and so the, the new last name of Courtney Lazar is something that I have to keep saying to myself quickly now. Me too. I have to slow down and pause. I'm like, what is my last name now? I always forget. <laughs> the great thing is, and I told her this before we went live, Courtney is that rare exception because I know most of my business owner friends and myself definitely included. We love being creative all day and thinking of cool stuff. And then you tell us to use a spreadsheet and our eyes glaze over or you force us into some task management tool and it just feels particularly heavy for us. And not only did Courtney plan her own wedding inside of ClickUp, which is the app that I also use, but she is somebody who loves being inside there. And so Courtney, I'm just, I'm so excited to have you because you and I both know that this is that unsexy stuff that people tend to not talk yep. about. 100%. 100%. It's not, the, it's not the fun stuff. It's not the sexy stuff. I mean, it's fun for me, right? I love it. Yeah. Um, but it is the stuff that helps you successfully scale your business um, and where it keeps you from getting stuck in that plateau, you know, or protecting, which is like with legal, right? Like I'm sure you have the same kind of, you know, feedback with legal too. It's like, well, this isn't the fun stuff. This isn't the stuff that you really want to focus on, but it's the stuff that moves your business forward. It's, the, it's a needle mover in your business. Yeah. And it's, I, I love how all over your stuff, you talk about how this is planning for profit. Yeah. And yeah. It, it can be such a time saver. So can you talk a little bit about your own story and I know that you can do so many things with all of the skills and knowledge that you've developed, why you decided to go in this direction of helping business owners with the productivity side. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually got started in this industry um, almost four years ago. So I've been doing this full time for four years. I was an online business manager. And for those that don't know, it's an an OBM. So somebody that basically comes in and helps with the management side of your business. So kind of like the right hand to a CEO. We're helping manage, we're helping um, not just manage the business, manage the team. Um, We help with strategy when and where we can um, and really basically trying to be the COO of your business. Hmm. Um, And so that's how I got started um, back in 2017. And I loved doing it. But what I noticed for myself is my favorite part of when I'd get started working with a client was 
auditing their systems, auditing, okay, what are they currently doing? How can we improve this? It's kind of like a puzzle for me. And that's always something I had been naturally, uh, naturally gravitated towards anyways in life in general. Like my closet, for example, is color coded and it's, you know, short sleeve to long sleeve. And, um, you know, so it's just like little things that I was naturally doing in my life that led me to, okay, hey, I really, I like to say systems is my love language because mm. it's just what feels natural to me. And so I'd say about a year and a half ago, I started making the pivot from solely doing OBM work to focusing solely on systems because it's what lights me up. That's what feels good. It keeps it interesting every single day. Like I said, it's kind of like a puzzle. So we started making that transition. We you know, launched our course and started wanting to be able to find more ways to serve people. So I work for, um, you know, I work with people for the done for you side. So we'll come in and do like systems audits and setups. And then we have the course um, as well. So that's kind of where we've pivoted our business kind of a ways from away from our OBM agency and more towards solely focused on systems and education. So. Okay. I love that. Can you tell us more about that distinction between hiring an OBM to help you with your business and hiring more of a systems specialist? Yeah. So I think it kind of depends on the OBM, right? Okay. Because like for myself, particularly I systems again, that was my, my jam. That was what I loved. <laughs> so for me, the tech side of everything was very natural for me to want to dive into. However, there may be OBMs that are more focused on the management and the team and the culture side of a business and tech maybe really isn't their jam. So I think that's kind of, you know, kind of the distinction to a little bit is who you're hiring. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big piece of it. However, it's kind of like when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you know, we want to set up a funnel. Can you help me do that? Well, can I help you set up a funnel? Sure. Do you want me to? Probably not because you want your funnel to perform, right? You don't want to throw mm. money in a trash and light it on fire. We want it to, to do it well. And it's something that you, it's, it's, it's a skill that you really develop over time. And so that's, I think the big thing for, for us and like that, yeah. that OBM to systems pivot is I started to really focus on systems and that was something I was seeing systems in the back end of my business and all of the clients I was working with. And that's what I started to really enjoy. And so I'd say that's, you want, if you want to, depending on your business, really focus in and hone on systems, I would look for somebody that is more of an expert in that field okay. um, because it does become, unless your OBM is like totally comfortable with it, they're full-time with your business. You want to make sure it's somebody that can be really integrated in what you're doing and seeing your business full circle uh, everything that's going on. So that's kind of that distinction a little bit there on both sides, whether it's a, a preference thing um, from the OBM side and their skill level or um, just in general of how you want to implement system in your business. I love that because I feel like there in, in there are more and more circles. And if you're if you're new to this term of OBM or online business manager, Welcome to the club. Uh, this is, it's a, something that more and more people in our online business world are talking about, the importance of having an OBM or sometimes called an integrator. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I find just really interesting about it is that there are people who say like you absolutely need someone in this yeah. role from day one in your business. And then there are others who say like, screw it. You, you can do it on your own until you hit yeah. a certain point. And mm -hmm. What I like about this distinction is it kind of takes the pressure off of that question. Yeah. Because whether you feel like your business would be really helped by having someone come in in that larger capacity or not, mm -hmm. having somebody help you with your systems is an easier 
thing I think to say yes to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an easier, yes. It's an easier commitment. Um, you know, an OBM or an integrator ops manager, however you want to call it, that is a bigger commitment and it's a, it's a larger scale higher too, um, in mm. terms of who you're bringing on. Um, so for example, uh, I actually have an operations manager on my team as well, but she was promoted from, uh, you know, she was, she started as a VA and what actually worked really beautifully about that was she became very, very familiar with all the ins and outs of the implementation and the the, the doing pieces of my business, which helped mm. her to better manage. Um, and so that's something that you can kind of you know think about too. It's like, hey, I'm ready to hire a VA. I'm not quite ready for an OBM. That's fine. Um, that's kind of where the direction I went. I was like, I just really need help with the day-to-day stuff right now. Yeah. And when I was ready to make that transition, I already had someone prime and ready to go to fill those shoes from within my business versus bringing somebody in completely fresh who isn't familiar with my business, my brand, the direction, the vision of our business. And it, and it worked out really, really well. Oh, I love, I love that strategy too. Okay. Awesome. We could talk. I, I feel like I could talk about your story all day because <laughs> I, I can tell you've learned some really helpful lessons that are now just helping so many people. Yeah. When you look to the ways that business owners are struggling and trying to grow their businesses Mm -hmm. what are the common mistakes that you see people making and i know you're you're helping both service-based business owners and now Mm -hmm. more and more course creators yeah Uh, but what are some common denominators there yeah so i'd say there's a couple of there's a couple of different things number one i would say we get stuck in this issue of analysis paralysis right there are so many tools and platforms in, in the remote industry and it kind of we get I think in this like industry, we're, we're connected all the time. Like we have social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, yeah. all the things where we're seeing how other people are running their business. And the there's good things about that. But on the flip side, there's bad things because we get caught in a race where we're constantly watching our competitor. We're not paying attention to our own lane and what's best for our own business. And so when we're saying, okay, well, Sally has a podcast, Sally uses ClickUp, Sally does this, right? I need to be doing those things. But that doesn't always mean that that's going to be the best decision for your business, right? Mm -hmm. And so this analysis paralysis, you know, what we like to say, there's, you know, 24 billion different types of software. And choosing one, I think, is, or just making the decision to, like, what, what, platform do I use Asana? Do I use ClickUp, Trello, Monday.co, right? We have all these project management tools that we can choose from. Um, So I think that's kind of where I see people get stuck. And it's also thinking that they have to use all of the tools in their Mm -hmm. business. That is a really, really big thing where I see people get hung up because, oh, there's all these fancy platforms we can use. I need to use all of them. Otherwise, my business isn't going to be successful. It's not true, <laughs> right? And and what that actually sometimes can do is lead to overwhelm in your business and actually more inefficiencies. When we do a ClickUp setup, for example, for a client, one of our last pieces in the puzzle is how do we automate? How do we integrate? And what do we need to be looking at? But just because an automation exists, just because we can do it, doesn't mean that's necessarily the best route for us to go. Mm-hmm. Because it could actually lead to more... T- 
potential technical error or glitches down the line that we're going to go have to go back and troubleshoot. And so it's really looking at how can we have the most lean and effective system and not have to use all of the things. Um, and so I think that's really one of the biggest ones that I see people making um, is just, well, I have to use all these things, but they're not really serving their business in an efficient and effective way. Oh, so helpful. And, and yeah, I mean, I feel like these are things that even and maybe especially smart business owners struggle with. Yeah. And I'm in Facebook groups with other law firm owners who are arguing nonstop about the best tool to yeah. use in as, as a law firm, mm -hmm. whether it's a CRM or, or some other type of a tool. And it, it can be really easy to try and find that one magical app yeah. that has all the features that you want and shop around for months and then feel like you've wasted a lot of time going into one thing and then learning, oh, they can't actually do everything that I wanted it to. Yeah. And also you, you, sometimes you run into the shiny object syndrome, right? When yeah. a new platform gets released and, oh, all these people are jumping on this new platform. I think it's, you need to do your due diligence to yourself and your business to make sure that and kind of inspect, right? Like, Hey, would this be a good solution for my business? Um, but really do your homework with it. Because like you said, you don't want to spend time migrating platforms if it's not going to be the best fit for your business, because you are wasting resources at that point in time, not just money, but time and energy, not just for you, but potentially your team as well. And so I think that's, you know, we have to kind of be, don't get in that squirrel, you know, situation where we're getting distracted by other things. Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody who likes the conversation that we're having, if you are watching this live or recorded on Facebook, we've got a link to an amazing resource that Courtney's put together in the comments. Um, we'll put this in the show notes of the podcast as well so that you've got it. But again, Courtney is the absolute pro at this. And one of the things that I've found interesting and, and difficult as a business owner too, Courtney, and maybe you can speak to this, is I feel like it's one thing to have really good processes and systems in place, and it's another thing to use them. Yeah. Do you have any tips on how we can just kind of clarify what our calendar looks like or what it looks like for us to show up inside of ClickUp or wherever? Yeah. To, we're getting the work done. So that's actually a really good question. And that's a big, big issue that I think everyone struggles with for the most part. Um, I think it's a consistent issue, you know, because we, we can come in and we can build out you know, these amazing systems and things for your business. But if you're not going to take the time to learn how to use them or build it into your routine during the day, it's not going to help. Right. So there's only so much, you know, you know, as my family would say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Right. <laughs> so, um, so that there's that piece to it. For example, when I onboard a team member, you know, maybe I, I typically hire pretty green when I hire somebody, they're normally not in this space. There's somebody we're bringing in from a nine to five and they're not familiar with ClickUp and Slack and all of these tools and how to manage their time working in a remote um, environment. And so a lot of the times, you know, when we onboard, we're talking about, okay, these are the, the platforms we're using. These are best practices for managing them on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's implementing things like 
for example, with your tasks and ClickUp, um, a sunset rule uh, for communication or for notifications. So at the end of every single day, you need to make sure that you've checked Slack and ClickUp and responded to all notifications because we are in a remote business, right? Mm. And we have people working in different time zones or different schedules. And we need to make sure that we're getting, you know, closing any communication gaps. Um, it's things like inbox zero at the end of every single day. So when I tell my, my team, when I hire them, you know, click up is where we pretty much eat, breathe, live our business. This is where mm. what you need to have as your central point of, you know, communication, central point of task management, project management, etc. is something that I think takes practice. I don't know what the rule is on how many days it takes for something to become a habit, yeah. um, but it really does take um, you wanting to, to learn and wanting to you know, actually build these things into your business, you know, with your calendar, for example, like you mentioned, um, I'm a big fan of time blocking. There's a couple, I like to say there's two different types of time blocking that call them mm. close cousins. You know, you have day theming and then task batching. So you've got two sides of it. You know, day theming is like, hey, Mondays are my CEO days, right? Tuesdays mm. are for content, threes for, you know, Wednesdays for marketing. Or you can, you know, kind of break your day down into, you know, hey, 9 a.m. I check Slack, uh, 10 a.m. I do this um, and more of that task batching. I kind of personally do a hybrid of the both. But one thing that you can start to integrate into those things is, hey, did I go in and did I respond to my Slack messages, you know, 15 minute little time block? Did I go in and check my ClickUp tasks? Start to integrate that into your calendar so that it does become a habit. Um, or if you're a paper planner, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I still, I love ClickUp, but I have a to-do list still that I like to write down for myself every day. Use that as a, the top three non-negotiables, right? I'll give you an example of mine. Um, I love tech, but I hate social media. <laughs> like I, I am not mm. a big media person. Um, and so for me, it's really doesn't, it doesn't come naturally for me to show up on Instagram stories and want to be, you know, on social media all the time. Um, and so I have to put that for myself as my non-negotiable for the day um, mm. in order for me to actually, you know, check that off my list. So maybe for the time being, it's, hey, I've gone in, I've made sure all my tasks um, are either checked off or not in the red for ClickUp, um, or I've responded to all of my Slack notifications, or I got to, you know, email inbox zero, whatever that looks like, I'd say building those in and starting to recognize for yourself what those where that resistance is and where it's coming from and try to um, identify ways to avoid it, right? So another just quick example is when you're in business, sometimes emotion drives decision-making and that's not always the best thing, right? Yeah fear drives decision making or lack thereof, right? Sometimes we don't make a decision or move forward on something because we're scared or we're avoiding it for some reason. I'm super type A. <laughs> I love having like a checklist, right? I, I want a checklist of, okay, this is what's happening. This is the steps I need to take to fix it. So for me, what I started doing, when I started seeing something blocking me or something that I was resisting, I would ask myself, okay, why am I resisting this? And what is something tangible I can build into my business that would avoid me feeling that way? Mm. So for example, when I had, when I launched my course for the very first time, I was terrified for someone to request a refund. Like I just, because, you know, it speaks, it, I put my you know blood, sweat and tears into this. And it, I was so scared for somebody to ask 
uh, for a refund. And so I asked myself, why am I scared? Uh, mm. What can I do to avoid this? And we built an SOP around a solution for why, you know, why I was feeling that way and how to avoid feeling that way. So we built mm. out basically a way to delegate it to team, customer service, things like that, and the, the process, you know, that would follow. Yeah, um, and that's, so such a, that's such a good example of like getting really clear on why you don't want to do something. Because I think sometimes people say like, you just have to lean into that and, and do yeah. it. But like, not only did you find a way to, to kind of delegate that to the team, but like by leaning in, I think that that's, man, I can think of a couple of examples where I think you'd be proud of me where like I more accidentally than on purpose did something similar of like, looking back, it's really nice to create SOPs around things that you don't want to do mm -hmm. or things that you're afraid of happening in the business. Mm -hmm. And as a lawyer, the whole refund request is something yeah. that people ask me about too. Like it's all about like whatever those fears are that are starting to keep you up at night. It's probably a matter of when stuff like that happens. So yeah. how can we start to put some things in place that at least give you and your team a set of next steps? Yeah, exactly. And because I knew that I was the type of person that needed next steps, right? Like yeah. if it got to the point where it just happened and I wasn't prepared, then I know emotion would take over. But if I had something in place, it wouldn't allow the emotion to take over because there was a process for it. Right. And so emotion didn't really play into decision-making or solutions or troubleshooting an issue yeah. because we already had something for that. You know, otherwise, unless it's a situation that hasn't happened yet, in which case we have to tackle it, like you said, kind of lean into it, ask ourselves, okay, why are we feeling this way? Yeah. What's the solution? Write it down, implement it, and it's done for the mm. next time. So, And speaking of emotion, do you have any insights or tips that you can share for when your emotions start to change what your plans are, mm -hmm. whether because of a shiny object or just because you feel like out of alignment is the common quote that we're hearing people for making yeah. from their business quickly. I, I feel like failing to plan is something that you talked about, but also just kind of like mm -hmm. st sticking to the plan that you set can be a real yeah. challenge. So this is actually something that we discuss in our course first thing, because wow. this is vision planning, right? So mm. when I, like I said, I'm type A, I'm not a fluff person. I don't you know when somebody says, Hey, let's talk, let's vision plan. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> it's fine. I'll go color code something else. You know, like nice. the vision planning didn't seem very important to me when I first got started my business. Yeah. However, what I found is because I didn't have a clear vision for my business or for the lifestyle that I wanted, that was leading to me making random decisions in my business that were not mm. leading anywhere. Um, and so what happened is, you know, I would I mean, I'm a yes person. I want to people please, right? Like, yes, I can take this on more work, more work, no problem. Burnt myself out. You got to a point where I was like, what am I even doing? I'm just going to go teach yoga on the beach, right? I can't do this anymore. But what I found is when I actually sat down and I wrote out my vision, right? My, my vision for my business, my one year, three year, five year plans or goals, I had a benchmark of what I could kind of, um, filter things through. So I know this is the example I always like to give Cosmo magazine, right? They always have those fun little quizzes that you would filter down through, you know, did you, you know, do you like this? Yes or no. And then it would take you to another one kind of doing something like that and saying, okay, does this lead me closer to my vision? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, then it, 
it's, it's, it's a no, right? It's something I have to decline or I'm not going to move forward with in my business. So maybe it's an opportunity that somebody put on my plate and they're like, Hey, we would love to partner up and do this with you. It's exciting. And like, this is a really cool opportunity, but does it like lead me closer to the next step that I want for my business long-term? And if it doesn't, then it's something that I have to decline, which is really hard a lot of the times for me, because especially with entrepreneurs, like you said, we're visionaries and we have all these kind of ideas that we want to implement. But those ideas, even though they may be good ones, may not always be leading us down the right path for our business. And so that's kind of what I like to visualize for myself is, does this get me closer on that benchmark to where I want to be? Yes or no. And if it's no, I don't take it. If it's yes, let's go for it. And what's been great and what I'm really, really thankful I did is my ops manager is super familiar with this too. Obviously, we teach it to our students. It's something that we implement in our business. And so when we're on our meetings, bless her soul, she'll be like, Court, this is an awesome idea, but does this get us closer to the direction that we're wanting to head? I love that. You're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so I think that's a really easy kind of like tangible way to look at something is very black and white, right? Like take the emotion out of it. This is the goal I set. Does it get me there? Yes or no? Mm, I love that. And I love that you start your program with that. Again, if you guys are liking this conversation, I can't recommend highly enough to check out the link again in the comments of the video or the show notes of the podcast episode. Courtney, another question that I had for you, since you mentioned ClickUp, which is again, the tool that I use Yeah. for anybody who's using Asana or Trello or anything else. We've also got like our email and you mentioned Inbox Zero and Slack. Do you feel like the more you dedicate processes and systems around a task manager like ClickUp, the less communication should be going on elsewhere, like in Slack or email? Mm-hmm. So this is where um, being an OBM, I kind of shot myself in the foot because what would happen is my first step as an OBM when I came into someone's business was a systems audit, right? So I'd come in, I'd evaluate what their business looked like from a systems perspective. We'd make changes. And then I I worked on retainers, right? So I would say, you know, hey, you've got me for 60 hours a month or whatever it is. But the more I implemented systems into people's businesses, the less I was needed for help with management and things in their business because they ran more fluidly. We we could pop into ClickUp and she, you know, they, they could see, hey, this project is in this spot. We have, you know, um, this person's completed this task. And so I, once those things started happening, I would, there was less need for an OBM or less need for hours on my end, you know, which... It was a good thing, right? Because we had accomplished what they needed. Their systems ran more fluidly. Things happened, um, you know, with less need for day-to-day management because there wasn't any more question about the the project status on things. As far as the communication aspect of it goes, we have a rule of thumb in my business that 90% of our communication is done in ClickUp. If it's related to a task, a project, anything like that, it should be had on the task itself in ClickUp because if we ever need to go back and reference that conversation or check back in, what what were our plans for this task or where were we at? We know exactly where to go. 
Slack, we like to use more to supplement communication. Hey, are we still hopping on that meeting? Um, quick wins, things like that. We Anything outside of that, it's in ClickUp. Um, and I think that's another, you know, we talked about mistakes earlier. A big mistake I see a lot of people in this space making is not having a consolidated communication hub within their business. Um, and it also mm. comes down to because we have Facebook Messenger and Instagram and Voxer and all of these right. things, all these ways to be connected, especially if you're a service-based business. The big thing that we'll see people is, well, my client wants to communicate on this way or they want to do it this way. I always set the precedent up front with my clients after I had established where I wanted communication on the discovery call before they'd ever sign as a client. It was having like, hey, here's some general housekeeping. We have we have all of our communication in Slack. We invite you to a Slack channel. Um, and I always tried to reframe it in a way that it was positive for them, right? Wow. Um, like, hey, you have my whole team at your disposal. It's all hands on deck. We do this so that we don't miss anything. And, you know, we're providing you quality work, right? It's always positioning it in a way that is best for them. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I honestly didn't really have a ton of pushback when it came to that because, you know, how we framed it. Right. And so that that was a big thing is is really how we communicated it to the client. And then if there was ever a situation where we'd get, hey, they'd send us a Facebook message or something like that, we always redirected it back to wherever we had communicated, we would communicate. So yeah. if we saw that message come through on Facebook, we'd respond in Slack. Hey, so-and-so just saw your Facebook message, answer their question. Just as a friendly reminder, let's make sure to keep communication in here so that the team can support you too. I love or, that. you know, whatever it is. And I'm a big... I want transparency on my team because if I'm not transparent with my team and they don't know what's going on, it makes it almost impossible for them to proactively support me um, and support the business. So yeah. my team has access to everything, right? We, we're not there at all the Slack channels, all the ClickUp spaces, because if I'm not transparent with them, how can I expect them to support me in the way that I need? I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so a couple more questions for you before I let you go. Yeah. And thank you. And again, everybody who's watching or listening, you got to check out this program because now I'm going to dive into some more questions that I just selfishly have for Courtney <laughs> while I have her. Uh, on the topic of ClickUp, yeah. it, it seems like that's not only do you love it, but you're a pretty big evangelist of ClickUp mm -hmm. for especially course creators, coaches, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Is your opinion when it comes to ClickUp, because if you guys don't know ClickUp or even Asana, Trello, everything, but especially ClickUp, when my team transferred over to it, one of the big hesitancies is that it's so customizable mm -hmm. that it can seem like more than we need. Yep. Or like there's like such a blank slate that it might not be as helpful. Yep. Do you have particular ways that you recommend people set ClickUp up or is it kind of really depending on the business? So most of the time it depends on the business. Um, however, that is a big, I guess, pushback that we would have or like a fear of people transitioning to ClickUp, right? If they're already in Asana, if they're already in Trello, we typically do recommend ClickUp no matter what because yeah. it is customizable. But just because, like we were talking about previously, just because there's a way to customize it doesn't mean you always should or have to. Mm. ClickUp has so many features. It is a very, very robust tool. It's just deciding what is best for your business in order to effectively use it. So 
Um, an example is, you know, ClickUp has a million different views that you could utilize, right? I mean, we're beyond just, you know, board view, list view, calendar view that we had in the Asana days, right? We have embed view, we have um, Gantt charts, we have box view. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I tried to not let myself get overwhelmed by all of the options that I have, right? It kind of goes back to analysis paralysis. Like we have so many options. The fear of making the wrong choice often leads to us being paralyzed and not making a decision at all. And so that's really my big recommendation is just really not allowing all of these extra bells and whistles to distract us, evaluating what we can and cannot use for us. We try to keep it to either um, a list view or a board view. A lot of the times we, when we utilize list views, we do customize them with different field options. Um, mm. so an example of that and one of my personal favorites is building a client pipeline. So one thing I think that gets overwhelming for a lot of people is managing leads when they're coming in from your website. You know, they get filtered into your email inbox and that sometimes becomes a purgatory and it's, it's hard to manage. I mean, did we reach out to this person? Did we not? And so customizing it kind of like a dashboard, not an actual ClickUp dashboard, but <laughs> our own version of it in a list is something that we like to do with those custom fields. And so I think it's really just evaluating. I always go back to like looking at our tasks, looking at our projects. My typical recommendation for a setup with ClickUp is, you know, there, and I think another reason I think it's overwhelming is there is an extra level of hierarchy in ClickUp, right? So, you know, you've got your workspaces and folders and lists and tasks and subtasks and you can go on. Um, we look at our spaces and ClickUp as the departments in our business, right? Mm marketing operations, clients, if you have them or your program um, and filter down underneath of that. Uh, and so that's the basic setup. You know, I have a lot of clients saying, well, should I have a, you know, a space for a client? Um, and, and there's, I mean, because there is all kinds of different ways that you can set it up and you want to kind of do it to the point where it's going to make the most sense for your business. And so let's look at our top level departments in our business. Those are our spaces. And then we filter in underneath of that. So for example, you know, operations would be like what the day-to-day things we're doing in our business. That's where we pull that in underneath the marketing, or maybe it's sales and launches or, you know, something along those lines. You've got ads, you know, ad management that you can filter in underneath of that. So break down those top level folders and kind of branch them out, if that makes sense, and use that as a way to develop the hierarchy within ClickUp. I love that. So smart. And you mentioned dashboards earlier. (laughs) I uh, have recently become more aware of dashboards, and it seems like a really great way for business owners to have as like their home base yeah. of like their starting view of just kind of in general starting the day or specific kinds of things. Because if you're just looking at the inbox inside of ClickUp or you're just looking at incoming deadlines or trying to just navigate like the spaces view, it can get overwhelming mm-hmm. quickly or it can feel like you don't have everything that you like need to see for the day. Yeah. So my thought with that, so I don't know if you've noticed or really played around with ClickUp is they have the option you can filter and group personal views. Have you played around with that at all? Quite no. Yet? So that's what we personally do instead of using dashboards, because okay. like you mentioned, you know, if you go to your inbox, it, it feels a little limiting as far as what you want to see. Right. So, for example, I know 
for me to feel like I know what's going on in my business, I kind of would like to, to see a seven day sprint of what's on my whole team's plate, right? Not just mm. mine. I want to see my tasks, my ops managers, my VAs, et cetera, and see what everyone has on their plate. And so within ClickUp, you can actually create these custom views, either just for yourself personally or for your entire team, and you can save them. Um, and really, it's just a, a simple way of filtering and grouping what you want to see. So for example, if you want to see something like that, you would filter it down by team members, right? You would yeah. select who the assignees are, and you're going to group it by due date. And you're going to save it, and then you can add it as a favorite. So then... You don't mm. ever have to go through that filtering or anything cool. like that again. So that's something we personally do. Dashboards are great, right? Dashboards are awesome. We personally use them for things like time reports because we, my team tracks their time using ClickUp. So we've built right. our time reports in our, our dashboards. They're also good if you're a service-based business and you're wanting a consolidated place to communicate with a client, building a client dashboard. So it's a hub for communication, file sharing, um, if you have tasks that you need to share with them, you can customize it, throw in a fun little video like, hey, welcome to this business or this agency. We're so excited to work with you. So that's a that's my favorite way to use dashboards is if you have a service-based business or if you're a coach and you work one-on-one -on -one -on -one, um, with your clients, it's kind of like their own personal hub. Um, and you can literally, the world is your oyster in terms of how you customize it or what you add in there. And what's great is it actually makes it easier for the client because they're not having to go to, okay, Google Drive and then Dubsado for their portal and all, you can put it all right. in Right. Oh, I love that idea. It's leaning it out for your client. So they have one one spot that they go to. I always tell them, hey, just bookmark this page. If you ever need to get a hold of us, share anything with us, just pop in here to your dashboard. And that's it. So cool. Courtney, thank you so, so much for your time. Again, you guys, if you're not thinking about the products and system side of things, this could be the thing that is keeping you back from the growth that you're wanting this year. So yeah. again, highly check a re recommend the the resource that Courtney has that I've I've dropped below and is in the show notes. Courtney, any if someone wants to get a hold of you, are you mostly hanging out on Instagram these days? And yeah, you said you yeah, don't really definitely love. mostly on Instagram. <laughs> okay. um, we have a Facebook group. Um, it's it's all the same. The Elevate Effect. So if you search the Elevate Effect. Um, on Facebook, you'll find the free Facebook group, um, but Instagram is a really, really great way um, to get a hold of me. Feel free to shoot me a DM. I love, obviously, like I said, systems is my love language. It's my mm -hmm. favorite thing to talk about. So if you guys have any questions about it, about ClickUp, I, I'm, I'm all about transparency. So I'm an open book um, and I want to help however I can. So please feel free to you know DM me on Instagram um, and get in touch uh, and I'm happy to chat with you. Thanks so much, Courtney. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. All right. Has this episode motivated you to take some action on the legal side? Well, good. Here's a great next step for you. I've put together a free legal training that people have legit been raving about. I just got a DM telling me that this was the best legal presentation they've ever seen. Yes, you heard that right. Best legal presentation ever. Okay, maybe that's a pretty low bar, but hey, I'll take it. 
And another person told me that they've never really had a lawyer who they trusted to recommend to their business friends. But after watching this training, now they know that I'm their go-to guy. So if you're ready to stop being overwhelmed by all the legal stuff, you are going to freaking love this training. Check it out at joeycvitale.com slash trademark, or just click on the link in the show notes. This is Owning It. Thanks for listening to Owning It with me, Joey C. Vitale. If you like the show and want to know more, check out joeycvitale.com. And I'm all about spreading those golden legal nuggets. So leave a review and let me know which golden nuggets you picked up from this episode. All right, see you next time. If you want to-